<laughs> I like this a lot. I'm your host, Eli Halpern. And I'm Mike Eaton. And today we have a special guest, Asana Ahmad. Yay! Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, man. Right, thank you for having me. Yeah, this dude, so glad to have you. Yeah, this is a real professional setup you guys got going on. fit it's us great. at all, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> a couple of hooligans. We belong in a dumpster. Yeah. Dude, I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any disagreement from anyone in the room here. Yeah, I think everyone's like, yeah, was like, yeah, that's the garbage boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we're excited to have you on, dude. Uh, I was, I told you this the other day, but I think that you are the person I've seen who is the hardest to bury in comedy. I remember we did the show at Sunset, and it was Whitney Cummings, and the whole room was there for Whitney Cummings. And you had to follow her. And I was like, oh, poor son. Like, this is such a fun show. And now he just has to follow Whitney. And you crushed. And I was like, God damn. You know? Yeah. I, well, I remember going into that show and they were telling me Whitney was going before me. And I was like, are, are you sure? <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I kept on like, I was like, oh, no. And it was, you could feel it. You could feel it when you were up there. But like, oh, shit. Like, they're all here for her. But yeah. it's like, you, what are you going to do? Are you going to sink or are you going to swim? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, like that's how you grow. This is a shark-infested waters. You got to survive. That's yeah. it. And like, I, I definitely pride myself on like, I always like, I always asked to cold open shows. Like, I was mm-hmm. just on the Tony Hinchcliffe and Friends show. Yeah, I asked if I could cold open that. Nice. Yeah, it's like if you put yourself in like these super hard situations, you'll just get better. And like right now, I'm nobody. Nobody's coming to see me, so might as well just get better. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll, I always ask to host. Like, I always like whatever situation. It's like, why not? If I'm gonna train, why not train with ankle weights on? Yeah, the, that's a great point. Yeah, the comedic version of whatever that is. Yeah, what's uh, to that end? What's like the hardest spot you've put yourself in recently? Recently, I had to follow Holtzman. I asked to follow Holtzman. Oof. Oof. That was. Yeah, where at? Yeah, the, uh, the Green Jay. Fuck. And it, it was one of those things where, like, the second Holtzman got off stage, like, half the audience left. Yeah. And then the other half listened to me for about two minutes and we're like oh we don't have to stay at all yeah. <laughs> and then it was just me and like two people you know what i mean yeah. and like oh it was just that was that was hard brian holtzman that's a that's an incredibly tough follow yeah 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 but like i like i said i put myself in that situation because it's like you know also you need those ego checks all the time for sure that's that's a, that's a big one when you like think you can do well and then like oh yeah, no, you're, you're bad at. You're actually bad at this compared to a lot of people. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like you think you're good at something, you're like, oh, I've crushed in big places, and then you go up and you eat a bag of dicks somewhere, and you're like, oh, is, it, is, is everyone gaslighting me? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't bomb for two years, including the pandemic. So, <laughs> but still, I didn't bomb for a year, right, right? And then I ate shit at Whiskey Ice House. Oh, that's a hard room. Yeah, and I was just like, I should quit comedy. Yeah. yeah, no, it gets it gets you feeling like that. You're like, damn, what, what decision did I make? Yeah, yeah, this is like I'm going up there. Is that even the real me? Like, there's a lot. You think of that. There's a lot of like, oh, who am I as a human being? Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of like introspection that's not it's very harmful because you're like, who am I? oh, I'm unfunny. Yeah, I'm stupid. Like, yeah, yeah it's like it's hard. Well, and especially when you do like very personal material, <laughs> and then people yeah. don't yeah. laugh at it. They're like, oh, you don't like me as a person. Yeah, like, it's, <laughs> it's just an insane emotional gamble with yourself with a very little payoff. Yeah. <laughs> 
no, no, it's like it, it, it is like it, it's, I call it emotional stripping because that's mm. what it is. It's like, hey, baby, you want to see my scars or whatever? You know? Yeah, it's like that. And like the laughs are the money. So sometimes they are making it rain on you. And I can imagine if you're a stripper and you're getting rained on, that must feel fucking awesome. <laughs> I bet it's better. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's money. It's money. Like they're above laughs, but money. We should do a show at Vulcan because it's set up perfect there yeah. and just ha- encourage people to throw cash at the performers. <laughs> yeah, instead of laugh. Yeah, don't yeah. laugh. No just laughs. Make you just rain. bomb, but people throw money at you. <laughs> yeah. uh. Oh, no, yeah, I, that could actually work. Don't everyone bring ones? No, it's free to get in. Free to get in. Shower them with money. We should yeah. film that and oh, do it, a segment. How degrading would that feel as a comedian though? amazing i would <laughs> love that so. are you kidding me oh no but then it's like oh damn i didn't know i was only worth like ten dollars like and you then you gotta I mean? pick like, it up yeah, yeah you gotta you gotta pick up some sometimes if you're if you're bombing they throw like change at you you know what i yeah. mean like <laughs> you know, that's like i don't need to know because to be a comic you need a certain level of delusion yeah right you have to you have to be delusional i watched an old set of mine from 2014 a couple days ago and i watched mm-hmm. that and i was like man i'm glad i Stuck it through because mm-hmm. if I were to watch the tape of this, I'd be like, "This is bad." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like <laughs> if you're given a money amount every time, and every time you go on the strip show, you only walk away with barely double digits. Meanwhile, someone's walking away with like four hundred dollars. Yeah, how Hans do you keep Kim's going? walking away with three girls yeah. and a hundred dollars? Like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's a. You don't need that. You you can't break that delusion. Yeah, that sometimes you know. That's that's a great point. There, there's not much of a difference between being delusional and believing in yourself. No, it's a very <laughs> there's a fine line. It's a very fine line. It's a very very fine line. I think that they're synonymous, and that the only difference in delusion and self esteem is the person in question. Like, if you have a lot of self esteem and you're a homeless person, you're delusional. But if you have a lot of self esteem and you're Elon Musk. Like you're, well, you're amazing. It's right? just self awareness, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the difference. It's like how how honest can you be with yourself? Yeah. If you can't be honest with yourself at all. You're delusional. Yeah. If if you can be honest with yourself and be like, oh, it's my fault. That's whatever. Yeah. Then you have self esteem. Yeah. That's why I always talk about my eight pack abs and amazing comedy. Yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just very self aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who I am. We talk about how hard is it it is to make it as a black man in Austin all the time. It is. <laughs> yeah. That is that is very you. <laughs> White people do be tripping. <laughs> I've, I've been saying this. <laughs> 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 they are different too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm an Asian supremacist. Yeah, yeah. Asian put that out there. I mean, that's if if I were to take bets on the coming world, that's a pretty good bet. Yeah. Also, I said that way before Mark Norman said that in his special. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you did say that. You uh, did say that a long time. He said that in his special. It's so funny. There's this ongoing thing with Eli and Mark Norman mm-hmm. where, like, they have a similar kind of short joke style, especially their one-liners, mm-hmm. where they'll be very offensive, but it's, like, an obvious offensive so that it's funny. And I've seen so many of his tweets where it's, like, you know, I go back and like a girl's photo from three years ago to tell her she's hot or she's getting ugly or whatever. Right. And then Mark Norman will do a different version or a better version of that. So he just started sending Mark Norman all his jokes. And he was like, now you won't tweet these. Here's why. So, delusion. You have Mark Norman with his self-esteem. (laughs) 
Perfect. It was based that play. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's really funny, though. Has he responded to any of them? Yeah, yeah. He'll be like, "That's a good one." <laughs> <laughs> Will he ever retweet him? No, I, no. I literally DM him, oh, him on Instagram. <laughs> Because if I think of a great joke, I'm like, I do not want you using this in your next special. And you know, he's going to he's gonna see that, and he's going to be like, I can't say that on stage. Oh, Some gonna, random guy just messaged me this. Right. Or he's going to be like, eh, it's different enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he's going to be like, well, this schizophrenic person said yeah, it to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's public domain. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. That would be funny if his next special just said contributing writer, you know, help her. <laughs> like, oh, he was using him. <laughs> well, it'd be even better because he would go and try and find the messages and the account that he did it from has been banned from Instagram. <laughs> so he'd be like, God, I want to credit that guy, but I can't find his name. Oh, Wait, why, God. Why are you banned? He's been looking for me. Why are you banned from Instagram? What happened there? Uh, I was asking people if the vaccine affected their menstrual cycle. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was just doing CDC polls himself That's in funny. his stories. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Instagram was like, "No, we control the CDC polls." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Based on my yeah, sample no, population, nothing shady about this. Yeah, <laughs> nothing shady. Based on my sample population, uh, it does affect yeah. your menstrual cycle badly. <laughs> Who did you ask? Like, like actual like people you know? Yeah, hundred percent of vaccinated women during their menstrual cycle are a total bitch. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's your report. <laughs> that's straight from Fauci. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. just like yeah. excessive bleeding and stuff like that. Wait, tell them about your plan to sync up the world birth control. So, are you familiar with Seasonique? No. What's so, it's that? a birth control that limits women's menstrual cycles to once a quarter. Okay. So, once a season, hence okay. the cutesy name. So, mm-hmm. that combined with the phenomenon of cycling, where mm-hmm. women that stay together get on the same menstrual cycle, right. we give all of them Seasonique. And then send all of them together, and then all women have their periods those same four times a year, mm-hmm. and that's our new holidays. We get rid of Christmas and all the other bullshit, and it's just like four weeks a year we do a spring break, a summer break, this... a winter break, a fall break, and that's period week. I will say this: this sounds like a very Old Testament Bible. This <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a very. We must send the women once <laughs> once a quarter outside the village, and then we will have a feast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I read that in Deuteronomy, bro. <laughs> no, this sounds like Dr. Goebbels' plan. Yeah. This is like some Nazi scientist shit. I mean, when you put it that way, I would say we send them to a spa yeah. to cycle up, you know? Yeah. Put them all on a cruise or something. Yeah, that's yeah, what Eli, they call Auschwitz. Like, Eli was like, we're going to make them work. Yeah. <laughs> He's got like that Jewish retribution. Does the spa have He's like, they did it to us. Does the spa have showers full of Zyklon B? That's what I was saying. Is this is going to be a very hard sell for Jewish women and black women to get on a boat with showers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I promise it's for your own good. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a lot. We've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> Work will set you free. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, my dad took my mom uh, to Germany for their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And while they were there, like, drinking and having fun, they just took a little stop over at Dachau. To go and tour a concentration <laughs> yeah, camp. Yeah, so weird. Other honeymoon. And it's like, yeah, of course you got divorced. Like, yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with you? <laughs> that is an insane thing to do on your honeymoon. That's, that's a crazy place. Like, if you're visiting those places, you're going to visit those places. Like, it's, a, it's like a spiritual, almost like, who wants to be on vacation? Be like, hey, guys, want to go to the place with the most negative energy of all time in the middle of our vacation? Out with spring break. <laughs> MTV's. <laughs> <laughs> we're oh like, I, I would say we're like a we're 
eventually it's we're gonna be far enough away where that absolutely is gonna happen yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just a matter of time right oh man do you know dave ross uh from la Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a joke that I literally almost shit my pants and had to run to the terrible bathroom at Chatterbox okay. <laughs> to, to, yeah, yeah. to salvage myself. Because he has a joke about Auschwitz having a rating on Yelp. <laughs> wow, that's a great premise. It's a fucking incredible... The joke's on his album, but... Right. God damn. I, it's just so funny to think, like... Someone went to Auschwitz and gave it five stars. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, five gold stars, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, we're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, we started this idea before that we were going to create a tourism company for terrorist acts called Tourism. And then right. you could you could go to like Sandy Hook and Columbine and I mean it's there Virginia Tech and I, stuff. There's there's definitely a market for that. People love that shit. Also, yeah. it's like I mean you look at what happened in Afghanistan where there was people in California in Afghanistan. It's like that's people are like, oh, let's just tour an active war zone. <laughs> yeah. Like like absolutely, absolutely. Is this where Burning Man is? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, that what? man is just on fire. Yeah, Californians in Afghanistan. There was like there was like. From whatever this is okay. Look, I'm a normal person. I only read headlines. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is what Perfect I got. Perfect guess. Yeah. Perfect yeah. guess. Yeah. So you guys are gonna get along great. This is what I got from the headline, and then what I made up in my head to sound good. All right, but uh, but like basically, from what I read was that like there was like some you like Californian college students who was doing mm-hmm. some sort of exchange thing. Mm-hmm. But like you don't go to Afghanistan because you're like I want to learn. You're going yeah. to Afghanistan because you're like I want to I want to treat. Brown people like a zoo. Like, no. like, really, like, <laughs> like, why are you going to an active war zone? I'm so fat. My immediate thing was like, if unless you really like Afghani food. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is it? I want to try. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, it's like, yeah, but yeah, no, definitely. People would definitely do Sandy Hook tours. You could also, like, that would, so it would get that side of people, and then you mm. could, like, be like, hey, QAnon people. Like, yeah. You have, have, like, another, like, or, like, if you don't like Sandy Hook, you know what I mean? If you don't think it's real. Yeah. You can have another, you can you can split your business up to be like the the disproving tour. Yeah. You, know what I mean? like you, can, you can get the all markets on that one. Oh, I would love that. The yeah. tour of Pizzagate and yeah. then have the special tour where you get to see the basement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's at the Pegasus Museum. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Eli doesn't read the headlines. Instead, he reads the articles, but from insane people. Oh, oh, <laughs> so, oh so he spends a lot of time on Facebook? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 I deleted the Facebook app. Every time I go on, it just makes me angry. Yeah, it's pretty garbage. Facebook is pretty garbage. I feel pretty upset that I do not get approached by more people with MLM requests. Really? I don't get any of those messages. Why? It's because you're not like... A woman from Michigan. Yeah, I just... That's, I th- like, their number one. Like, the Midwestern woman is... That's who MLM's market just to. No one I know one I girl who sell. does that, and she fits that description. Yeah, bro. It's the... It's, it's, it's the... It's the... It's the opioid for that... For that culture. Yeah. That's very much... It's very much... It's very much targeting them. It's very much taking money from them. I'm it, fine with that. I mean, look. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like... But it is very... It is very... That's who it's for. That's why they're not targeting you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're That's a, good. you're a white man with tattoos in Austin. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> you don't think I could sell a wax warmer? That's <laughs> yeah, no. pretty offensive. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, you know what? I'm gonna put I'm right here right now. You can't sell a wax warmer, whatever you just said was. Oh god, <laughs> who could I sell a wax warmer to? I don't even know what that is. I have no idea what that is. It's a light bulb oh wow. <laughs> All right, I already All right, got. So, hey, so pitch it. Pitch Here's it. the pitch, baby. <laughs> All right, candles, great, but fire, scary. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sometimes fire's bad. Did you want a candle without fire? Wax warmer. No, it's a it's hot a light bulb, and you put it under the little thing, and it's ceramic, and then you put wax on the ceramic, and the light bulb makes heat, no fire, mm. and then you have smell. Mm. Mm. That's actually not. Yeah, and if you want to, if you I would take one of those. If right you're now. doing a little bit of drinking, you can dip your fingers in it, and they get real soft fingers when you peel the wax off. Okay, that's the cell right <laughs> yeah. there. That's the cell. Yeah, <laughs> nostalgia. Yeah. QVC, where are you at? Yeah, Hire this man. Damn, I'm proven wrong almost immediately. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> damn. Yeah. What else you got? Is it romantic? Can it also be romantic? They have carved ones that are romantic. You can get all different kind of bases okay. for them. Okay. God, I should sell Scentsy. <laughs> could I get one shaped like my dick? I could make that happen. This is I don't like I'm how you said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like whatever. I feel like this should be your. This should be your sponsor. This is like what a wonderful sell. Yeah. Dick candles, dick shaped wax warmers. <laughs> For with all the smell and none of the mess. Go to giggleboys.com. We'll be on there soon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There, I like uh, smell good stuff. I'm mm. a big fan. I, I hate, uh, what's the liquid one that has the sticks coming out of it? The ones you plug into the uh, outlet? Those no. also suck, but. I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Fuck. There's something. Well, this got really gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, so comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing it. We're out here. We're doing it. Oh my god. So how long have you been here in Austin? I moved here in May. So I visited okay. in April, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I kind of see what's going on here." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, let me get in." You know, okay. So there's been times in my life. So when I was when I was in in 2008 when the market crashed, I told my mom I was like, because AIG was at like 30 cents. Okay. I was like, mom. You said you want to invest, put a lot of money in AIG. It's like one of those things where the government isn't going to let it fail. Mm-hmm. It's not. And now AIG is whatever it is now. She could have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then a second time, um, I was I was just driving down the street near my parents' house. This is in college. And I saw this billboard for computer repair. And it said, mm-hmm. we're now accepting Bitcoin. This is 2011. Yeah. And I was like, what is Bitcoin? This is a thing. And I, would, I Googled it and people were like, you should invest in it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Right? Now... Yep. Bitcoin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I moved to Austin. It was that same feel. as like, okay, it's like, so if I had invested in Bitcoin in 2011 and it did nothing, I would have lost what? Like 50 bucks? Mm-hmm. Right? It's the same thing with Austin. It's like, I think the potential here is Bitcoin level of like, this is just pure art. You can do like I did. So yesterday I did 50 minutes of comedy. Nice. Just around town. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I got paid for it. Yeah. Something that you would not happen in L.A. Ever. Ever. Not yeah. I'd have to be famous to get that amount of yeah. time in L.A. And even then, I couldn't get 50 minutes. Yeah, that's a great point. You know what I mean? And it's like, so if that grows and with Rogan's Club coming, like this could be a huge goldmine for people who just really care about stand-up. <clears throat> yeah. Dude, I love that you said that because I've pretty much had that same uh, mindset about right. comparing Austin to the Bitcoin of America. Right. It's There's something here. There's something you can feel the energy. You can feel there's something bubbling here. Mm-hmm. And then if for whatever reason it doesn't pan out, well, then either way, I spent this time in the city where I got mad time like I wasn't getting in L.A. Yeah. Or I've hit the Bitcoin of whatever this next wave of comedy is. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it's very low risk, incredibly high reward. In yeah. fact, I would say virtually no risk. So the problem with L.A. and New York is a lot of places – you have to be a lot of venues like the comedy store mm-hmm. and like the cellar, you have to be vaccinated to get in. 
Yep. Right. And it sucks. Like I even as like I'm a vaccinated person. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to only talk to other unvaccinated people. It doesn't serve me any good. It doesn't help me connect with people if I'm only talking to a certain subset of the population. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? I have to talk. I, I, I have to. I want to. I want people who are vaccinated, who are unvaccinated, who are on this side of the aisle, this side of the aisle. I want them all to laugh. But yeah. if I'm only performing for the vaccinated people, then I'm excluding what this what fifty what like four over forty five percent of America is unvaccinated. I made that up. But it sounds right. Yeah, so okay. but that's that's forty five percent of the people that I'm just completely ignoring. Then I can't be the funniest I can be. Yeah, because no, I'm tailoring my humor to these people. That's what also. So it's like there's almost no risk in coming out here now because mm -hmm. the risk was was that, hey, L.A. and New York, you get international audiences. Mm -hmm. That's the big difference. That's why it's huge. You get a, But like now that they're excluding half those people, well, then the international audience kind of doesn't matter. Have you made it to Houston <clears> at all? I've done one show in Houston. Because that's another thing that I think that Austin uh, should get more credit for, too. The distance to Houston, Dallas, San Antonio yeah. is a very easy drive. Yeah. And the Houston market, Houston is the most diverse city in America. Mm. So it has the most diverse population. It's also physically like a lot of Houston comics joke about how you can go on the road and not leave town. Right, because there are, it's it's sixty miles from the westernmost to easternmost part of Houston. Right, so there's all those people there. But I mean, like, so I, I agree very much that Austin is uh, the Bitcoin thing. But I also think that we're in the bubble right now, right, where it went. Bitcoin goes up to like sixteen, and it's about to drop back down to four, right, before it ever hits sixty. Because there's, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of comedy that's happening right now that I think is putting a bad taste in people's mouth for what stand up is. In like what sense? A, like, there's just a lot of very subpar shows. Right. Like, right. I, that's I've, anywhere, though. I've seen and been on a lot of shows where there are good audiences and comics that you know shouldn't be getting that kind of stage time. There are people that should be at open mics, and mm -hmm. they've somehow gotten their way into performing in front of 100 people. And now people are like, oh, that's what stand-up is? Yeah, but I mean, it's just, I mean... I would say if you go to an Austin show, at any Austin show, you're going to see at least one comic that you're like, damn. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, right? It's, it, you know, it is still a smaller scene. It's not, it's not on the same level as LA and New York. It isn't. Mm. It has the potential to be, I think. I think it has the potential to be the third city. Yeah. Absolutely, I think that's there, but it's not there yet. So it's a lot of like, so there's it's a lot of comics who've been doing it for like only two or three years and mm -hmm. they're starting shows and who, who, they're not they're only going to know the comics they've been around yeah that's a good you know, point and maybe they hear the names that have been their names that are talked about mm -hmm. you hear them but you don't know all of them and you might not even know an, a good comic that's not talked about as much because there's a lot of those yeah also you know i've I mean? noticed i don't know if you agree with this but i feel like there's more people out here that are focused on actually making money at shows as opposed to just hitting mics in la um what, like what do you mean what do you mean like, I know a lot of people that are putting on shows, charging ticket sales, mm -hmm. whereas in L.A., I feel like it's just mostly free and open mics. Or maybe I just didn't get to that level in L.A. yet. No, I would say L.A., L.A. if you're a new comic, L.A. is a terrible place to go right now. In my opinion, I should say that. It's a terrible place to go because all the open mics you have to pay to get on. How many open mics in Austin do you have to pay to get on? I don't know a single one where you have to pay to get on. Yeah, the slotted at the Roma room is it. But that's, that's not paid. Oh, it's not that's paid free. anymore? That's oh, just, it's free now? Okay. That's just slotted. That's just their sign-up system is slotted. Gotcha. That's not paid. Yeah, so, it started off as paid. Is, okay. Because I got in a bunch of flack on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, it's five bucks to go to Mike, so you don't waste your fucking time at a bar waiting three hours to go up. And everybody's right. like, you don't pay to do comedy. And I was like, you can. Yeah. <laughs> like, you fucking can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
but you know, but you don't want to you don't want to price out the young hungry people, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, so I mean, I don't know if it's gonna, it's gonna be on this episode or oh, it's gonna be on this episode, the Worm Report. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if Casey came in here. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, he's a great comic, obviously, right, and very funny. But he he lives in his car. Yeah. If he had to pay five dollars for every mic he hits, that's a significant amount of money. Yeah. You don't want to price out a young hungry comic. Uh, San Francisco is a good example. San Francisco has probably, outside of New York, the most amount of independent shows. Hmm. It's insane. It's insane. And they're all, you know, it has the benefit of Austin of them having a lot of tech people. Tech people, money means nothing. Yeah. Right? So they come out to shows. They pay like $40 a ticket. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I like but, that. But it'll never be in a city because you cannot live in San Francisco and live in your car. It is impossible. There's no mm. way for your young, hungry comic. Like, tech people have to live, like, four to an apartment. That's tech people. Yeah. So there's no way a comic could ever dream of making that level of money. So San Francisco can never be in a city because yeah. it's price. It's too pricey to be. But, like, yeah. Austin, so Austin has that. It's free. So young comics can get up. If you go to L.A. right now. Rent. Rent is cheaper. Yeah. This, just, like, the cost of living is cheaper than L.A. And then if you go to L.A. right now and you want to get in the comedy store, you want to get into the Laugh Factory, how do you do that? There's no one from those places going to the paid mics. Everything is still kind of restricted a little bit. It's Mm -hmm. like I went there. It's not as restricted as people who have never been to California make it out to be. Sure. Right? But, um, (laughs) I mean, that's just the truth, you know? No, very much so. Yeah, everyone wants to shit on California. But, like, you know, there's a reason why a bunch of people are there, right? Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, it's pretty pretty dope. Uh, (laughs) um, But, like, um, there's the, the store doesn't have an open mic. I don't know how the... Improv open mic is really running. The Laugh Factory doesn't have an open mic. Yeah. So how are you going to even move up in the game? Yeah. Step one, get vaccinated. Well, you have to. You <laughs> actually have to. That yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, because you can, you can even hang out at the store patio, you have to be vaccinated. I don't know any comics that hate free drugs, though. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but still, you, you feel what I'm saying? It's like, if, yeah. if there's any young comic watching this, and you're like, I want to move to a city, I would imagine, I don't know what New York is like, so I can't speak on New York, but if the choice was between L.A., and Austin, and you don't know anyone in LA, I would pick Austin. Yeah. That's a good what's, point. what's your educational background? Um, I have a, I have a, my bachelor's mm-hmm. in cognitive neuroscience. Oh, Fuck awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super cool. It sounds way cooler than it is. It's like, yeah. it's like the new age psychology. So the flow genome project type shit or? No, more like, okay, so uh, like the, the paper that I remember writing the most in college was just about how um, people who suffer from... Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. how they process music. Oh, interesting. So it's like uh, just the breakdown of like, okay, so like, for example, if I have, if I, I'm me, right? Mm-hmm. I know you're Eli, right? Early stages of Alzheimer, I'd be like, you're a friend. Then a little later of a stage, I'd be like, okay, you're a man. And then even though one step deeper, I'd be like, you're a human. And at the worst stages, I'd be like, all right, you're definitely a mammal. Like, that's how it breaks down. It breaks down in sort that's of class terrifying. like that. It's ter- Alzheimer's is terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. But they were saying... Um, My great aunt that died of Alzheimer's gave us these photos of tigers. Jeez. Yeah. And that's very violent photos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I imagine she had trouble identifying them from the get-go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, scary. I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the paper I did was, like, if you, if you give... If you give music to an Alzheimer's patient that they knew as a kid, mm-hmm. it, the rudimentary memory... And the base of the melody is mm-hmm. enough for them to, like, f- remember feeling good. 
Yeah. Well, listen, to that. and so that's that's the sort of big paper that I did after four years. Well, yeah, because there's like two different types of memory. There's like the actual facts of it, and then the emotional aspect. The emotional of it. aspect, yeah, and that's that was enough to trigger some uh, like a happy mm-hmm. emotional response. Just, but it had to be like a, a song that they liked when they were young. All right, I want to know what you think about this. So, wait, wait, I, real quick, mm-hmm. so my aunt uh, created a music box for people with Alzheimer's. Right. That was like her big passion project because her mom, uh, who's my great aunt's sister, so they both died of Alzheimer's. So they created and did this whole big project. I'm blanking on the name of it. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But it's a music box for people with Alzheimer's that's super easy to load. But, like, no shit, we loaded a bunch of... uh, So my great aunt was obsessed with Elvis. That Mm -hmm. was just her thing. She'd get real horned up to Elvis and go and be a flight attendant back in, like, the 70s and 80s. (laughs) Right. That was her shit. And so we, like, were playing music from, like... We didn't have any music from her early, early childhood Mm -hmm. because it didn't really exist as an MP3. But uh, we had a lot of this stuff. And you could see, like, a lucidity come back to her eyes and, like, her level of thought Mm -hmm. that she would recognize her sister as her sister. Right. She didn't know what time frame they were in, but she would know, like, oh, that's my sister Virginia. And it was... Such yeah. a trip to see, like, turning on music changes just the way that she could perceive what was around her. Yeah, from from what I studied, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, you a, think I'm smells not even a doctor or whatever. Would get I mean? hey, so, hang on. Proceeded? So, um, I want to know what you think about this. I watched this documentary on Netflix called Surviving Death, where it's uh, people that uh, go through near-death experiences. Okay. And um, there's lack of brain activity, and they report these intense, vivid hallucinations comparable to DMT. Right. And uh, then they went on to medium, so I'm not sure if I can trust it. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? I don't know. I, there is right. There is some sort of line between what it means to be alive consciously and what it means to be alive physically, right? Yeah. That there is like, bro, like at that level, like I kind of trust their experience because it's so weird, and maybe they went to a medium because it felt so otherworldly. Like whether or not it is, it, that's I guess mm-hmm. up to your interpretation. But there is like some like. There is some weird fucking negative space in between the two, mm-hmm. and that's like I don't know what exists there. I think maybe DMT is sort of like a portal to that a little bit, of like because you every I've done it a couple times, and every time I've done it, I feel like I'm definitely connected to something deeper in existence. <laughs> I think yeah. I gave you some. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I got some from you. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I used to bring my DMT pen to the comedy store. Like everyone else would be like the coke. I'm like I'm gonna be the DMT guy. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do it till the pandemic. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, 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 till the pandemic. I did a pen, and then I did the real thing, and then the next time I did the pen afterwards. The pen didn't really. Really? Yeah, it worked as well for me. Uh, I did it the first time I did it when I was uh, I think 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. I freebased it. Okay. Um, but then the last probably 75, 80 times I did it was all with the pen. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, we've told this story on here a bunch, but we've done a significant amount of DMT together. Right. And one of the things that's uh, very unique um, that they talk about, it actually came up on the show that's on Hulu right now called Nine Perfect Strangers. But during specific group hallucination events, you can experience a shared psychosis where you're all having a hallucination that you're participating in together. Which, to me, uh, means that there's some kind of evidence that uh, there's an old theory that the way that the brain works is not actually as a receiver of information, but as a filter of all the information you're receiving. So -hmm. you're receiving all of these inputs, and then your brain transfers those inputs into what you can process. So with acid, it's taking off a lot of that filter. You start to perceive more of reality as it is with the colors and the streams and everything. Mm -hmm. And then we see people's auras. That's how I feel on acid. I can see people's life energy. Yeah. It's it's really it's it was really interesting. Last time I did acid, I went to a park Mm -hmm. and you could just tell, like like so it was like this is the first time people were out from the pandemic. It's in Mm -hmm. San Diego. And yeah, you could tell like everyone had this like 
positive, like flowing life energy. And like there was a kids youth soccer league going on, and their energy was so boundless. Yeah, like they were so much higher than like an adult. So it's like, damn, that's how it feels to have like no responsibility. Like you're not weighed yeah. down by money. Your pineal gland's not calcified. Sure, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. You know, <laughs> I guess. But, but it's listen, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm on acid right now. <laughs> I would not put it past you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. But yeah, as, as far as the uh, DMT being like a portal, like what what it like uh, dark matter comprises like 90 percent of empty space or something like that, and like the electromagnetic spectrum is not even detectable for most of it. Yeah. And I think they're intertwined with the spiritual DMT realm or uh, another yeah, dimension. The, the, well, I feel like spirituality is like the ocean in which most of it is unmapped. Mm. So mm -hmm. it's like I, there is like some like there's levels. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, but whatever it is, I think DMT gives you like a little bit deeper into the level mm -hmm. of that ocean of like what is like the first time I did DMT, I felt like, have you ever heard of like the primordial ooze? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like the theory that like everything that we came from started on this like sort of liquid soup. Yeah, just Earth. a cum spot. Yeah, just, uh, just, yeah. A, just a universal cum spot. The universe yeah. came on this planet. Yeah. And it started in that little cum pool. And I felt like I was just fucking floating in the cum, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was just floating in, like, I was, like, in the fucking whatever that original life source was. It felt yeah. like I was floating in it. Dude, I... So I was like, I'm, this is something. This is something. There's something. I heard something here. really interesting about how mathematics are, like, based, or, 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 like, they can be used as evidence to support that we're in, like, a simulation. Like, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that kind of stuff before. But how... Um, that could also apply to like video games where like to what we perceive and what our brains are tuned to uh, receive as information is could be not at all what's really around us. Right. Like you when you play like Grand Theft Auto, you're looking around like, is that what's really going on? Are you in L.A.? No, it's a bunch of zeros and ones. It looks nothing like the circuit board and the actual like the processors and the. OK, OK. That's a, that's a little I can't wrap my mind around that. That's a little too far into that. You know what I mean? It's... That stuff fucks with me, too, because like. It, it gets into like the world of uh, like philosophical solipsism, where you're the only person, and everything else is a manifestation of your mind. And that was like the uh, conclusion to Descartes saying, "I think, therefore I am." Like he was proving that he exists by being able to create thought. Right. But then the next step of that is, well, if I create thought, I create, create everything? all thoughts. Yeah. All things are just thoughts. Are just my creation. Yeah, and, and oh, all of my suck. If all I of my a world where I'm not getting pussy. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? No, I don't believe that. Yeah. I 100 <laughs> stamp that out. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, for sure. Wrong. Whatever that is, you maybe you yeah. wrong. <laughs> Tally one for Team Eli. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But uh, if I did make this universe, you're welcome for being so funny. So, you know. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Maybe you could. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. Wait, wait, no wait. <laughs> To reinforce Mike's point, if he is the one who invented all of this, he's the reason you're not getting pussy. Yeah, yeah. so which, <laughs> which I guess rude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Way, to, way to be rude. You know, if I figure out how to hack this, because I would also like to not be poor. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got permanent pussy on lock. I married That's it. But like, <laughs> oh man, yeah. I uh, I don't know all that shit. This keeps happening on this podcast. Mm -hmm. We're like, you know, it, we think like we're gonna be comedians. We'll talk about funny stuff and it'll be ha ha's. We're like, but what happens when we die? Because that's why we're really doing comedy. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I I had this thought about math the other day. I was hanging out with my friends uh, Derek and Jeffrey, also very mm -hmm. funny comedians. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But we're talking about how, like, so the number system, the Arabic number system, one through ten, uh-huh. right? That's what we use. Yeah. But zero came from India. But how did we get ten if there's no zeros? Well, ten, ten is just so ten is just a symbol for the amount of ten. And then at some point, someone looked at the zero and ten and was like, "We'll also use that for zero." Okay. Because yeah, we're yeah. doing a base ten type thing. We're yeah. basing it out of ten. Ten yeah. is our base, right? But like, what's crazy? That means that means someone had to invent zero. Yeah. Like there was no zero, and then someone had to invent it. And then someone had to be like, well, I, 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 I found something. And then they'd be like, can you show us? And you'd be like, fuck. <laughs> 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 How do you show zero? Yeah. That's, that's the mind fuck. Is that someone had to go Nothing. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, God damn. That would suck. That's a mind fuck. Yeah. Like, so they had also, to go to India to find zero. I like the thought of too, like it's just crazy. I like the thought of time being cyclical, mm-hmm. and the, it starts with a zero, and every ten ends with a zero. Okay, uh huh. I'm oh, not yeah. going anywhere I, with that. Yeah, 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 but yeah. that was the start of something. Yeah. You, yeah. you guys can finish it. All right, you're just all right. He says zero. If I add time, maybe I can sort of riff my way into a theory. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is just like, like how zeros. zeros have zeros in them. It's <laughs> it's pretty cool. And if you get to a million, even the zeros have zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm a, I'm and then if you twist a zero, infinity. Yeah. I don't understand. People, uh, I've always been very bad at math. Mm-hmm. Like I just fucked that shit. Mm-hmm. And people have tried to explain to me other base systems for counting mm-hmm. and like the binary system for counting. And I've even seen it visualized where it's supposed to help dumb people like me. Right. I do not understand. Base six would mean that you go one, two, three, four, five, six. But then 11 is 7? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what that means. But 7 and 11 are different numbers. Yeah, math is math <laughs> I don't is, get how does, what does I use that for? Math is weird. I used to be really good at math as a kid, like really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then they then they started introducing letters. And mm-hmm. I remember as soon as I saw X, I was like, I mentally checked out. Really? Whatever, I loved algebra. For whatever reason, I just couldn't do it. Can I, I like, tell you a really th- stupid math joke that I'll never tell on stage? Yes. I'm non-binary because I'm a 9. Why, why wouldn't you tell that on stage? Yeah. Let's get ready for the racial slur. <laughs> like, why, why can't you say that on stage? It's stupid. Because it's terrible. It's, <laughs> so, it's a bad joke. Because yeah. nine clever. isn't one or zero. Yeah, well, that's the joke. Yeah, but so are so many other numbers. <laughs> Every number that's not one or zero. I'm non-binary, so I'm two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why the joke sucks. <laughs> so you like that edition better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like, I really have found that Actually, I that like is, jokes I where that. people yeah, start to explain the joke on stage. You're right, right. And they get really philosophical with it and then just get lost up in, in that on stage. Lucas McCray does a good job of that, though. Yeah. He does it in like a condescending way where he's like being a dick to the audience. Yeah. And it's so fucking funny. He has the thing that he does where he talks about how do you tell your mom that you get laid a lot. And oh, it, yeah, that long list. Yeah, and he's yeah. got like, you know, ten of these like setups where it's, you know, how do you yeah, yeah, just, just graphic some, stuff about yeah. fucking. And he'll occasionally, when people don't get it, he'll be like, you know, because mac and cheese sounds like fucking. And it's yeah, it's yeah. very funny to watch for me personally. No, yeah, he's a very good, he's a very good comedian. So yeah, he like, he's one of my favorites in Austin right yeah, now. Yeah, for well, sure. he's he's like there's like the he's like one of part of that hot young crew that's coming out. Like, there's a lot of good talent here. Yeah. there's a lot of good talent here at the at the low at the not like at the not like Rogan mm-hmm. like headliner level. 
Yeah. Like the now now that there's been time, the young comics are here. Yeah. They're here and they're good. Dude, I think you can put on like a ten person showcase every week with ten people doing ten minutes and have it be incredible. And you could do that, you know, almost weekly at this point here with the roster. Almost. I, I think we're almost there. I yeah. don't think we're fully there yet to have like a ten person weekly where you can cycle it out enough. Yeah, where it be where it would be like like what Sunset's trying to do. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, doing it slowly. They're doing it slowly, yeah. and I think they're taking it at the right pace. I don't think there is enough of that, like the showcase that we were on. Yeah, I don't think the infrastructure is there to keep on doing that many. Yeah, not quite yet. Not quite yet. There's still some time. There's still like nothing here has started till Rogan Clubs opens. That's yeah. that's when we'll know what this is. That's the. Do you think Rogan's Club will have more of an impact than Cap City? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I, I think it's very interesting because Cap City uh, with touring comedians mm -hmm. is a favorite. Right. Like if you listen to people that have albums and you mm -hmm. listen to their podcasts, everyone loved Cap City and all of the staff. Right. All of the people that are the everyman's comedian, the Chad Daniels of the world, the people right. that are crushing Pandora, not right. Joe Rogan. You know, like right. they loved Cap City. Well, they're just going to serve different needs, though. So Cap yeah. City, Cap City is going to be that headliner weekends you know like shows thursday friday saturday mm -hmm. and then probably uh promoted shows during the week that sort of stuff and i think rogan's trying to be like a comedy store like this is a this is a everyday you know i, I don't know but it seems like it every, this is a showcase of comedians that are here in austin yeah and that are coming through and this you know like the comedy store these are the co comics that are past and i don't i don't think there will be a lot of crossover mm. i don't think there'll be a lot of like like if you're in at both clubs you headline Cap City for the weekend, and then during the week you go do you go do spots at Rogan's Club. Yeah, yeah. You're not OR versus main room yeah, kind of distinction. Well, yeah, because you're not diluting your audience. I I would think I don't like I if some I guess if someone is here to see you, they'd rather go to see you in Rogan's Club when they can see more people. But then mm -hmm. they, th your fans are going to want to see you do a longer set. They're definitely going to come to Cap City. So yeah. I, don't, I I think I don't think they're really butting heads in that way. That. I think you're thinking of kind of, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll be in different parts of the city. Yeah. They'll be like, you know what I mean? Like Cap City is going to be in the domain, which is like, what, 15 minutes north of where Rogan's yeah. Club is going to be. It's gonna so I, so I guess then Cap City will be just in direct odds with like Creek. No. No? No. Rogan's would be. No. I think, I think they all. They, they all serve they different all purposes? They serve a different purpose. Yeah. Okay. I'm just excited I, to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just got to wait it out. Yeah. There's just, just patience. Yeah. The pa I mean, the pandemic shows. technically isn't over. Yeah, right? the virus yeah. is still around, so it's still it's still technically pandemic time for comedy yeah. too. So yeah. it's like we still, we just gotta wait. We just gotta wait. We just gotta wait. Also, uh, remember that Casey Rocky guy we were talking about earlier? Mm -hmm. Dude, he's so funny. You want to cut to the worm report? Yeah, let's see what's going on with Casey Rocket. The worm, worm report. report. Hey, baby. Welcome to the fifth annual Worm Report. Casey Rocket, how's it going? And uh, today, we got a lot of important things on the docket. Number one, today in worm history, can worms be sluts? <laughs> of course worms can be sluts. Much like you and me, worms love to make out. And if you ever see it, just look away. <laughs> look away and don't, don't mind them. And... And if when they're done, you you can tell they'll be totally slimy, and then you pick them up, <laughs> pick them up, and eat them to complete the ritual. 
Number two, today in American history, America's secret war, American GIs and worms in Da Nang, <laughs> Vietnam. It was day two of the conflict. The American GIs were hunkered down from Bravo Company. And the worms were doing heavy artillery fire. <laughs> By the time the smoke settled, the casualties told the whole story. The number of Americans dead, 250,000. Number of dead worms, six. (laughs) As we all know, worms are impervious to metal. Our our teeny minds can't comprehend how to end their eternal life force. If if seen in combat, immediately retreat. Worms have been around for millennia, and they will be here long after we are turned to dust and rubble by the sun. (laughs) Number three, the well-educated worm and you. (laughs) How to tell if your young worm is gifted enough for AP calculus. Trick question, worms don't do math. They just eat mud. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, last on the agenda, today in 1972, Martin Scorsese's famous documentary came out, The Last Wiggle, The Last Ballad (laughs) of the Youngstown Worms. (laughs) We all remember fondly the Youngstown Worms and their reign of terror atop the U.S. billboard charts. Who could forget their smash single? If you're old enough to vote, you're old enough to lay in the mud with Daddy Worm. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the tragic ending to that documentary when the whole worm band did a bow and died because worms only live for like a fucking day. And that'll wrap up another fifth annual episode of the Worm Report with Casey Rocket. Thank you. <laughs> Fucking Casey Rocket. That was hilarious. He's the best. He's amazing. I, it's I'm really in tune with worms. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's incredible really. how much he knows about worms. Yeah, so I, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. yeah. I did not know worms were impervious to metal, but, you know, thanks. <laughs> Incredible. Thanks to Casey. Last week, we learned that uh, worms put on a suit the same way as us, just one leg at a time. <laughs> 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 Dude, that, I love Casey because it it feels like a fever dream the whole time. Well, it's also like it's also like so uniquely him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you couldn't you couldn't do that. Like, no. you know, some like my my like my act. If someone else who looked like me could steal it, mm-hmm. they could steal it. Mm-hmm. You can't steal Casey. Yeah. That is unstealable. Right? Right. Yeah, me know? and Tony Casillas could trade acts and no one would ever know. Oh, good. That's right. fine. That would be well, fun I... to watch someone trade acts with Casey. Casey would be hard. Casey would be hard. Have you done any of those shows where you do other people's material? 
Yeah, and like you know, like I like I don't think my act is stealable. I don't think the jokes are that like that. But it's like you could say them and they could get a laugh, but they yeah. might just be off. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Casey, if I I couldn't go up on stage, you'd be like the crab, and, like, <laughs> yeah. and then people would be like, but I would oh, love I to understand. I, I would yeah. love to watch you try that. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh my take. I, I would love to do that. If we ever did a thing where it's like we switched, I yeah. would I I would love to try to do Casey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think I could do it. So I think, much I, I, think fun. I, I think I could not do it, but I think I could do a funny enough imitation of it i think that everyone would enjoy it yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> everyone that loves casey would be like this is awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, yeah but yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those he's like a william montgomery or yeah. brian holtzman where it's like oh this is them yeah this is them it's a whole different style like i think mm-hmm. that like that's one of the things that people don't like as a lay person that they don't give enough credit to in comedy is that the variance in genre is just as wide as music you know, yeah, the, the yeah. same way that like a great punk band and a great pop band are very different. And, and even harder to define. Pop punk bands. Yeah. It's way harder to define. Yeah. There, there's no comedy genres, really. No. But there's there's subsects that you can get into. I always find it interesting. There's like clean and then there's blue. There's this much. dude that I think. Uh, yeah, and there's like crowd work comics. There's some some distinctions, but it's not like, but like. Even stylistically, within people who are joke tellers, they're yeah. like, they're like, are they storytellers? Are they like, you know what I mean? Like, but it's not broken down to the layperson like that as much. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or there was a guy. His name is. I Steve, mean, we don't even get it. Steve North. <laughs> He's a comedy coach. Okay. And when I was like, you know, a year, two years in a comedy, I came from the self improvement world. So okay. I was like, oh, let's find coaches. Let's find books. Let's okay. Judy Carter's Comedy Bible. Let's take fucking improv classes at UCB. You know, mm-hmm. let's learn like the scholastics of comedy. And as much as he felt like a charlatan, I was like, oh, you're not funny. You can't teach comedy. Uh, he had a very interesting breakdown where he would take a famous comic and then he would break down their style. And it was always broken down to what their view was and why it was funny. So Daniel Tosh, for instance, who's one of my favorite stand-ups ever, mm-hmm. his viewpoint is that he always thinks he's the good guy when he's the bad guy. Right. And that's the baseline of every joke that he tells. Okay. And it's so fascinating to see like that broken down for, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. He thinks he's worse than he is. He's lovable and doesn't know it. You know, the mm. kind of the opposite thing. So like I always try and look at that and when people talk about like finding your voice in comedy, I'm not even four years in. So I'm like what the fuck is my voice in comedy? What is my thing there? Like, do you think about that for you? Yeah, I was just trying to think how it would break down my comedy. And I was like, I don't think I could come up with a sentence like that. It's like, oh, shit, I still got to find myself a little bit. Yeah. 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 And I'm eight, I'm eight years in. So it's like, damn, how would I break myself down? And it's like, oh, wow, I wouldn't really know how to do that. It's crazy when you start to think about it like right. that. You're like, fuck, well, where do my jokes even come from? Yeah, like, what's the character that they're seeing? Yeah. And if you if I get in tune to what that is, then that's the, like... So, com- like, it's a dance, right? Comedy. It's like, they- it requires their input. That's why you can't get it until you do it, like, for 10 years. Yeah. Because it requires them for the- you to talk to them for that long, th- them being the audience. Yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, that's why when people are like, when a comic is like, bro, every time, when a comic is like, oh, I'm four years in, I'm- I think I found my voice, and it's like, oh, you're not. There's no way you're a good comic. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so no you're way. bad at comedy. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> how-, how have you already found your voice? Do I, you know, I, I think about that. Uh, a lot with um, like the so one time I did a show at a winery in some bullshit town mm-hmm. for uh, uh, Ironbark Cider Work in Montclair Claremont one of those that's out there the east of LA and I remember the feature went up and did 15 the headliner did 30 both of them ate a bag of dicks and I did not think either of them were funny and afterwards all of us that were on the show were standing around smoking a blunt 
and talking about it. And the headliner said to the feature, don't let the audience gaslight you into thinking you're bombing. <laughs> and I remember thinking, <laughs> I just lost all respect for you as a yeah. person and an artist. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you mean the the response you're looking for? If it's bad, they're gaslighting you. Like that's right, right, right. such an intense jump. But then I thought about like why that bothered me, and it's like, well, because I want to go up there and I want to get feedback from the audience. Like I learned from Josh Adam Myers, he told me your job every time you're on stage is to connect with them and mm-hmm. to create a connection. And from that connection, you can tell almost any joke. So then I think like, okay, when I, I get super bad performance anxiety, mm-hmm. so I'm like, my th- thoughts on stage are part that delusion and part self-awareness. Like, I know what I think is funny. I have to communicate to them what they think is funny, but I have to do it in a way that's palatable to them. Right. So it's not like a, I know better, but I do know better to my material, but I don't know better for what's funny to them. Right, right. And it's like that dance and finding that out, like, I don't think they could gaslight me. I think they could just give me their feedback. I don't think that's a real thing. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. think an audience can gaslight Gaslighting is crazy there, and you made it up. There, yeah. is, there, is, <laughs> there is no audience out there that's like, well, this is funny, but we're not going to laugh because he knows what he did. Yeah. Like, there's, no, there's, no, like, there's no audience like that. There's no audience like that. You either made them laugh or you didn't. Now, there are bad audiences. Sure. Right, sure. But it's like, more often than not, you, you know, there is something you could have done to at least connect more. Like some audiences, like there are, there are, there are, there are unwinnable audience, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean there wasn't more you could have done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to be like, don't let the audience gaslight you is crazy. Yeah. Like I need to be like, like, hey man, maybe this was a bad audience. Maybe it was, but what could we? What could? What could I have done? That's the shit. What could I have done to be like? Maybe I should have tried some crowd work here. Maybe yeah. I should have talked about that. Maybe I should have. Just had just been rambling. Sometimes an audience just likes it when you have newer ideas. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should try to riff something, but like there, it, it, it maybe it wouldn't have worked. But it's just like yeah, there's always something you could do. Yeah. yeah, you guys do a much better job of connecting with the audience. I, I need to work on that more. I, I well, like you, you told me you go up on stage on psychedelics. Yeah, right. So unless that that's like so when you're on psychedelics, you're on a wavelength. Mm-hmm. You're like like even when you're when you're sober, you're on a wavelength. But when you're on psychedelics, you're on a wavelength. You know what I mean? And so you have to work even harder to bring them to your wavelength. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what makes the connection tougher. Because there's a lot of people in audiences, especially this is still Texas. There's I'm still- always trying new things too. Like I switch up my style every couple months. Right. Like I'm still trying to find what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. But it's like that. That is tougher sometimes to connect on psychedelics because there are people in the audience that have zero idea what that's like. Yeah. Like, there are some people like, if you, so you told me you're on acid. It was like, okay, so I get it. Well, I keep it a secret. I don't go up there and I'm like, hey, I'm on acid right, right now. Right, right. But uh, audiences aren't stupid. They can tell that something's different. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. In, the, in, the, in their subconscious. Oh, God. In their subconscious. They're not, they might not consciously be like, oh, he might be on psychedelics, but. They in, just know something's off. Well, they'll. they'll I feel they'll, like they think that anyways. They'll know that, like, mentally, this guy's not in the same space. Mm-hmm. He's in this weird psychedelic plane. They can they can catch the notes of that. Mm-hmm. It's like they they can sniff it a little bit. Like this is a little off, dude. I think audiences uh, like while they are not great at communicating outside of their visceral reaction to mm-hmm. what you do, like they are such a good truth teller. Like I can tell when a joke that I don't want to tell, but I know it will work, right? And then it doesn't work as well. I can tell that they sense the disdain and yeah. the apathy in my right. voice, right? And like I go back and I listen to the recording, and even for me, who knows my voice better than anyone, it's hardly detectable, right? But like I know that the energy wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That the the actual physical energy in the room 
during stand-up comedy is such an ineffable and crucial part of right. the experience. Yeah. Like, dude, I thought Joey Diaz was not funny. Like, everybody told me how funny he was. Joe Rogan says he's the funniest comedian ever. Mm. I'd watched and listened to his shit. I was like, it's fucking dumb. This just sounds like every drunk New Jersey stereotype. Congrats, you do drugs. And then I saw him in the OR, and he, like, ran the shit out of the light and got angry about it, and it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever yeah, seen Yeah, when, when you see him live, it's a different experience. Because you're there, and he's playing off your oh, energy I, specifically. Oh, yeah. yeah. As, as, as someone who worked the store for many years, his Joey Diaz live is insane. Yeah. Insane. Um, some, someone else who's like that live that's, like, unbelievable is Chris D'Elia. Yeah, Crystal alive is like a lot of people. A lot of people don't. Dude, know I'd let him fuck my daughter. Yeah. He's, he's, he's so good. <laughs> Look, <laughs> he fucked my ex girlfriend. As, as soon as I brought it up, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a controversial person." Yeah, but like I'm talking about on the, just a pure comedy tip. Yeah, of like, you know, some people right like, on the tip. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe some people like you know specials translate how they translate. Mm -hmm. Right, neither here nor in the room. In the room, yeah, Dalia. Uh, Joey Diaz, Bobby Lee, yeah. those three. I've never seen someone command and be in a room like that and mm -hmm. like the completely make the energy theirs. Yeah, like those three. It's really, really interesting. And it's, it's insane. Yeah, it's it's like there's some there's like some people like those are three. If like you could watch live, I would watch live. Well, all three of them too do this thing where they're so nonchalant mm -hmm. about that power that to that's them, what makes you them more can powerful. Tell that, that it's like completely natural right that they just like oh that's what you do on stage and you're like well i want to learn how are you doing that you're like you'd be yourself and it's like <laughs> fuck i'm not you though yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah there's a lot of there's i mean i feel that way about bands too where there's some bands where you see them live and it's like holy shit like i did not care for travis scott at all until i saw him live interesting and now anytime i hear well, his yeah, music his, his I'm live show transported back to that show right it's like same with Denzel Curry, mm -hmm. you know, like a couple of people where like I hear the music and it feels repetitive, and then you see it live and the energy is fucking nuts. Yeah, well, it's like if you love stand up and you haven't seen it live, like you don't know what you're missing. Like that yeah. stand up is a live, live performance thing, and you have to watch it live. I mean, there are specials that are obviously unbelievable mm -hmm. and amazing, and comics that are amazing that tr you know that you can see online and stuff. But yeah, you got to see it live. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So he loves Stanhope. I love Tosh. Who's your favorite? Uh, rock. Chris Rock? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Rock. Do you like Tambourine? I like Tambourine. I saw it live, and I oh, saw that's it. awesome. I saw it, the special version. Mm -hmm. I like the live version a little better. Interesting. Okay. He, I did like the way he just switched the way he switched things around. Mm hmm In the um, live version. Though his order in the live version, to me, connected with me more than his order in the thing. Mm. So... You know. I think he's one of those ones where, like, Eddie Murphy, where, like, I never got to see them live, and I only ever saw recordings of it. Mm -hmm. And, like, the first time I saw Eddie Murphy was before I ever even thought about doing comedy. Right. So I always marked him off as a shitty comic. I was really? like, he's just not funny. Wait, when did you see Eddie Murphy that you thought he was a shitty comic? Uh, the Delirious? When it, like... You what? thought you didn't like Delirious? No, I just thought it was dumb. I, okay. I, like, well, I, it's a, I love Delirious. Just yeah, watching it, and I thought it was shitty. Delirious. Same thing happened with Carlin. Mm -hmm. I watched Carlin's stuff and was like, great, it's gay poetry. Like, funny. And then I went back and was I've like, been through this well, other him. people have told me, like, well, listen to his early stuff. It's better. So then I go listen to his first album, Class Clown, and he does armpit farts on stage. 
And I was like, if this guy had died sooner, we would have been way further along. Oh, that's so <laughs> and, funny. And then I, and then I went back and I listened to a like a really intense history of comedy. And now I'm like, George Carlin's God. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Holy shit! Also, what a master. Like, so Mike grew up rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, people, people like with Carlin especially, like this is some like sort of like deep into comedy stuff. But like they don't like classic comedy because of the armpit noises he makes and stuff. But like. I love that because it shows how skilled he is. He makes good noises. Bro, that... <laughs> no fucking way. Bro. No fucking way. Is that your angle? Is that the armpit fart sounds are good? You, bro. Get the fuck out. You would be, bro. You would be... Because he, he does it with his mouth. He does an armpit sound noise with his mouth. Okay. That's, that's good. That's, that is... that's good. That's hard. Like, bro, I will never forget. I saw... Uh, I was, did not think that was going to be your angle. Yeah, yeah, that's... Dude, no. If you can make it... Dude. Some people can't make it armpit. Like, it's, you gotta get the right muffle on it as well as the. Holy you gotta shit. get the muffle and the fart noise at the same time. God. With your mouth, that's impressive. That's technically, that's impressive. Yeah, and Jeff Dunham having that many puppets is pretty impressive, too. <laughs> yeah, that's why he sells out stadiums. I know. Yeah. I hate yeah. it so much. Yeah, so yeah, it is impressive. It is, you can't yeah. do it. I know. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Jeff Foxworth has outsold all of our favorite but comedians also, times 10. But also, Jeff Foxworth. <laughs> yeah, well, but no. I mean, uh, that, 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 uh, that I'll be like, you got to listen to more of Jeff Foxworthy because Jeff Foxworthy deserves to be on that level. He is an yeah. He's funny. Yeah. yeah, he gets. The thing that sort of sticks is the redneck stuff mm -hmm. because it's just so iconic. Mm -hmm. But no, Jeff Fox. We were watching videos of Jeff Foxworthy earlier. I I had seen Jeff Foxworthy before I even heard of the redneck stuff. Mm -hmm. I just watched him on Comedy Central and I was like, oh, this guy's Jeff Foxworthy and Bill Engvall. Bill Engvall. I remember mm -hmm. I, like on a church group trip mm -hmm. when I was in fucking seventh grade. We listened to the album Dorkfish. Right. I remember losing my fucking mind. And right. It was like a clean album, so they're like, "Yeah, Jesus approves too." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so fucking funny. And then I remember watching like blue collar comedy stuff with my family. They were obsessed with Ron White. Like right. that's that's their shit is Ron White. Right. And well, uh, he was my first favorite comedian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then like you know, as I would watch their stuff on TV. But again, it's that same thing where I haven't gone to go see them live. Right. So I just see the Comedy Central version mm -hmm. of blue collar comedy, and it's like. All right. <laughs> we what, should what was lose. the first show you saw? The first show I saw was a show at a mosque called Allah Made Me Funny. One of the guys on the tour Holy was uh, one of the guys on the tour was uh, Mo Ammer. Oh shit, he's Netflix. awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I saw a young Mo Ammer. I was like in, like, um, I was in like. It's like seventh grade or something like that. It was a show at the mosque. And I remember what I liked about it most was I was watching those two white sound guys that they mm -hmm. had and they were dying the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, this shit this shit works. This shit is crossing it's crossing a cultural barrier in yeah. front of me right now. Yeah. I'm watching it That's cross that barrier. Cool. You know what I mean? Like it's that was the first show I watched. But I would just real quickly I wanted to go back. The overall point I was making with the sounds with Carlin, mm -hmm. I watched this great comic. His name is Jesus Trejo. Yeah, fucking hilarious. I right? was at his filming of Stay Home Son. Yeah, so I was. At, we used to do this shitty open mic called Marty's. Mm -hmm. Shit, I oh. loved it. Yeah, I loved I it. I loved Marty's. But he spent his entire Marty set like ten minutes just making different noises with his mouth, seeing what the microphone sounded like if he hit it against his arm versus his shoulder versus <laughs> his other shoulder. Versus like his forehead, like just experimenting with sounds. So that's what I mean. It's like, oh, that's the level of thought it goes into making a sound. Yeah. That's what gave me the appreciation of George Carlin's sounds that he made. Because yeah. oh, like, it's like, oh, he practiced that. And he was trying to get the right even intonation on the sound that's to make cool. that fart noise. That's why I respect it. 
Yeah, I, I'll give you that. And he has a bachelor's degree in cognitive neuroscience. Yeah. So his opinion's more important. <laughs> do, do you know how, like, uh, when you meet people and, like, other stuff, and they're like, oh, I know a comedian. Do you know them? It's always, like, their fucking cousin. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, he has 300 followers. Not even he, his best it's, friends don't know it's him. It's either their cousin or Joe Rogan. Right, so, right, right. So, do you yeah. know Rogan? Yeah, so like, Have that, you heard of this Joe Rogan? Yeah, I've I'm heard of him. I'm at a work thing with Eli, actually, and we're in Vegas. My old job, I used to do coaching for loan officers. Mm-hmm. So we're with all of these like mortgage professionals and financials and we're insane people. Like <laughs> they just should not be in the room and we're at this very nice dinner and then this girl who's the executive assistant to a giant mortgage reporting company called mm-hmm. MBS Highway. Her name's Megan Anderson. Megan, you rule if you're watching you're not watching this, but you're you're working like an adult. But right. so She's Megan hot. is like, "Oh, you you guys are comedians." Information. That's very Yeah, she is very hot. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh she's like, you guys are comedians. That's so cool. Maybe you know my comedian friend. And we're like, oh, yeah, who is he? And she goes, oh, let me pull him up. And then she pulls up. It's fucking Mo Amer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know him? And she's like, oh, it's a long story. We go back. I'll introduce you guys. So I was like, oh, fucking please. Yeah. Do it. yeah. Uh, and then, like, maybe two or three months after that, she was like, hey, we had Mo booked for this big event here. Uh, the CEO of the company is Muslim. Do you know any other good Muslim comedians? And at the time, the only person I knew was Mackey Leeper. So I was like, is he, fucking... is he Muslim? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is the funniest thing ever because he looks like he uh, looks J. Jewish. Crew White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought he was Jewish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the same story. Yeah. <laughs> same story, different ending. Yeah. Two sides of the cursive. same shekel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One's in cursive. But yeah, that, that was like my first experience with all them. So I, I still have yet to meet Mo, but it's like, friend of a friend. <laughs> What's the, what's the craziest comedy person you've met so far? Because oh. I imagine, I mean, at the store, you've had to... The the, the, the craziest story, I, I I have a picture of this on my phone, too. So um, Mitzi, Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store. Yeah. She died. Rest in peace. Right? She died. You fucked her corpse? Yeah. That's that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it was, it was, I'm hey. telling Polly. Hey, you know, it's show business and you got to do what you got to do. Dude, Hassan <laughs> fucked uh, your mom, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that would be like what? I would be like there would be. So it's a many, misdemeanor. Don't so, worry. There'd be so many comics I'd be behind in that. Yeah. In that yeah. Level. yeah. Um, God, Norm Macdonald left a ghost load in there. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I'm at Mitchy Shore's memorial. You know, this dead woman. <laughs> this dead woman. <laughs> this is a human being that's not alive anymore. Yeah. I'm at her memorial. That's yeah. how this story starts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just famous comics, right? So we're at the. So the way the comedy store works is that there's like a back parking lot you can walk into, and there's stairs to an upstairs room called the belly room yeah. on the outside. So me and my friend Stephen Fury, another great comic, awesome, we're just dude. we're just posted up there, and Derek as well. Derek Post is up there too. Yeah, shout out Scuba Steve and Derek Post. Yeah, yeah so we're up there, the three of us, and we're just shitting on all the old people. Yeah, <laughs> right? just like just like shitting on all the old people. And then there's a voice from right here that starts shitting on all the old people. With us. Yeah. So we're just, the four of us are just shitting all these old people, right? We're just making these jokes. And then Fury just nudges me, and I turn over, and it's Jim Carrey. <laughs> and so it's me, Derek, uh, Steven, and Jim Carrey just shitting on people. And it felt like, because he was a door guy at the store for, like, many years. And the reason why I didn't... That's incredible. The reason why I didn't turn over and look immediately when he joined us is because it felt like it was four door guys shitting on people. Uh, that's the sort of beauty of being a comedy store door guy 
is that there that there's that level like that'll always be I, I say this all the time you can take the guy out the door but you can't take the door out the guy yeah um he uh he, that he had that energy still of still working there and being this young comic who's like oh this is amazing god that's so cool and i didn't notice until someone nudged me and yeah i have a picture of it somewhere on my phone let me see if i can find it actually, damn Dude, that was my dream before I moved out of L.A. was to get a door guy job at the store. That it, was, I worked was all at I a, wanted. I worked at an amazing time to work there. That's It's the coolest place on earth. I moved to L.A. to pursue comedy. So I was six months into comedy in Austin, mm-hmm. and I had left and gone to Houston and San Antonio and done good on shows there, and no one in Austin would book me on shows. And I was sick of my job, and I had a friend that lived in Pasadena that was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'll hire you and pay you to work out here. And then I had another friend who had supported me and was like, yeah, you can move into this extra room in my house. Yeah. So I've, you know, I, I was like, this is so cool. And it was a march. And we went and we stayed at the Lux in downtown L.A. And I went to the Largo and I saw, saw Patton Oswalt, Marilyn Raxub, and uh, Bo Burnham did like Damn. 10 minutes, came in and then just like dipped out. And I'm blown away. And then I took an Uber over to the comedy store and then I got to sit at a VIP table in the main room and watched... Like Eddie Pepitone, Bill Burr, and all these fucking killers go through. Damn. And then Brian Moses went up last. And Brian Moses said, and, and he's changed and added to the joke since then, but he said the only time it's okay to fuck a six-year-old pussy is on a trans woman. And I lost my fucking mind. I'm the only one laughing. Everyone else is upset. I'm about to piss myself. And then afterwards, I went and found out. I was like, hey, man, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Can I buy you a drink? And he was like, no, man, I get free drinks. Let me buy you one. And uh, I was like, I have to move to L.A. It's the greatest fucking city on earth. And like yeah, the comedy the, store. The was, comedy store is my favorite place in the world. Yeah. It's the yeah. coolest place to ever exist. So that's so that's right after everyone noticed Jim Carrey was with us. That's so, so fucking cool. The picture is, the picture is, the picture is pretty wild. Oh, here. Yeah. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it up here at the camera. But that's me, Jeff Ross, and Jim Carrey. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll post it on the... Show post. Okay. I don't mean to superimpose. That's, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so fucking cool. Was he doing the insults with his butthole? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he was actually fucking the corpse of Mitzi. Mind if I get on this tag team? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it was yeah, actually yeah. just Heather Shaw. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how when I first met Heather. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that, that's probably the craziest. Com- that's the probably one. That's one of the crazier stories. Well, dude, gold medal for comedian stories yeah. on this show so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone else is like, well, I met Ron White. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a decent one. I had uh, I had Ron White one day. Got too drunk at the comedy store, and I had to drive him home. And then, oh, that's awesome. And then so it was me, and he was like, "Come in and have a beer." And it was just me and Ron White for like three, four hours. Just yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That was, that was awesome. He doesn't remember it at all. Tony Casillas' <laughs> number one moment was uh, my lowest moment in comedy. <laughs> was He got to do a show with Ron White and Joe Rogan and Tony Hinchcliffe, right. and he bumped me to do that. Oh, <laughs> damn. Fucking perfect. Damn, yeah. that's really real. So yours wins the gold medal so far. They really did a swap. That's, yeah. a, re- that's a real deal swap. <laughs> yeah. <That's> like... <laughs> like, Let's just upgrade the fat gay blonde guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to tone was, it down six percent. Yeah, I was at the comedy store when it was still in action, and uh, you know how the the bathroom doors are so flimsy. I, I walk in, it like hits this guy in the shoulder, and I'm like, "Oh my bad." He turns over, it's Jim Jeffries, Dustin blow off his nose, and he just goes, "Shh." <laughs> wow, turns out you didn't keep that a secret, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you didn't listen to Jim Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> he told you to shh about it. Fuck. Dude, my f- 
ah fuck my favorite comedy store stories and then we ended up hanging out for like an hour yeah yeah that's well that's that's how that's how you meet people right? yeah you're, you're bumping into them all the time yeah, yeah people <laughs> are like what comedians have you met and it's like all of them yeah, yeah. Like, fuck it was yeah, so yeah. cool you just have these random run-ins with people it's pretty insane my favorite was uh me and eli went and took like two or three points of molly and saw mark rebier at the roxy mm-hmm and we had a great fucking time. I have this thing where if I do too much Molly, I look very grumpy. Okay. I'm very happy. Okay. So like a couple times over the concert, he's like, like hey, man, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. And he's like, you should tell your face. Because you know? <laughs> I'm just like, mm, loving this. <laughs> and then we leave, and we're like, let's go hang out at the comedy store. And I can't remember all of the people we ran into, but it was like seven or eight big people that said hi and recognized us. And I'm like, man, this is really cool. And then one of our friends came over and was like, Hey, you guys are sweating a lot. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's why people are talking to you. You're sweating profusely. <laughs> Her pupils were like huge. Yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, I guess we're still rolling tits. Like, yeah. We should get out of here. And then Punky was like, yeah, drink this water. <laughs> uh, and that was the night that we went and smoked a gram of DMT. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but Good Lord. You were rolling through the universe. That was one of my, but that was when we did the shared psychosis that I was mm. talking about earlier because we were both in his apartment. He had a deflated air mattress that I was sitting in the middle of, and then we would hit it, and then he would blast off, and it felt like we were in a spaceship, but I wanted to stay in the command room of the spaceship, and Eli wanted to run around the spaceship. (laughs) And so I would just, every now and then, open my eyes and just see him (laughs) sprinting through a hallway. And the whole time, I could see all the air particles. <laughs> and like we were both very distinctly in a spaceship together on a different realm. But when we open our eyes, I'm just on a deflated air mattress, and he's running through an empty apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay, that's a great Sado to drugs advertisement. Yeah. That right there, like if they showed that to kids, they'd be like, "Oh, that looks scary. Why are they sweating?" Like, you sh- Have yeah. you ever done whippets? I've done whippets. Yes, there was there is this, there was a time in my life where I did a, I did whippets a couple times, and I was like, ooh. So it's like a crazy house, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, my friends went out of that house, so I'll never do it again. It, it's like a crazy <laughs> experience. So me and my friend were like, let's film it. Like it must be crazy watching us do whippets. Super pathetic. Yeah, <laughs> it's just us in like, yeah, you're getting like knock- nodding you're, off. You're getting knocked out by air. <laughs> like we we immediately like we were laughing. Like let's see what it looks like. Immediately we just got really sad. We're like we shouldn't. We need to delete this. We shouldn't. This looks show like this anywhere in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the real like. If you want to, and your voice gets all. Like, yeah, yeah, that's those are good. Like actual like would keep kids away from drugs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, not the way. I don't remember how they pitch. I remember in eighth grade. And I was a goody two-shoes. Mm-hmm. Goody two-shoes. And even I was like, they had this like, I'll never smoke marijuana wall. Sign it. And I was like, I don't know if I want to sign it. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, and I was, they were, I was right. They <laughs> made me want to smoke weed because they had this fucking cartoon and this big marijuana leaf is like you want to come follow my path and then he goes on this cool psychedelic journey i'm like that sounds awesome yeah yeah dare made me do drugs yeah, yeah. dude our... they should have just said hey don't break the law and just leave it at that they didn't have to reinforce don't do drugs our drug person came to our school and they told us about all the dangers of illegal drugs and they're like don't do any of these don't drink alcohol don't do any of that shit but then they said, like, the only kind of drugs you should take are the legal ones that they sell as medicine. So then I just started drinking a lot of cough syrup and, <laughs> and tripping on Benadryl and all of the legal stuff. Like, I, I did all of that. The Casey Rocket Bachelor's in. cocktail. Yeah, 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 whatever. 
That's why I was relating to Casey so much because, like, I've done, I've eaten, you know, two hundred Benadryl, you know, and like. <laughs> but you were trying to kill yourself. No, no, no not that time. I, <laughs> when I was trying to kill myself, I was using uh, Redline pills. I thought it would give me a heart attack oh, if God. I took a whole bottle of them. Interesting. Didn't work. Yeah, clearly. but it probably did do some lasting damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find about uh, hopefully after I'm. Funny. Yeah, it's gonna combine with whatever the uh, whatever your vape is doing to you. I know. Vortex in your body. Don't know. Or dimension. and the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. What if it's immortality? Or, or what if it's immortality? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you found the concoction. Yeah, I'm yeah. like microdosing death yeah. with all these suicide attempts, right. and now I'm immortal. <laughs> that is- <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> Much like a worm, I'm impervious to metal. <laughs> I do think that. Like, why don't they, why don't they, it would be more honest and tell us that, like, yo, in those say no to drugs campaigns, like, hey, legal drugs are really bad for you. Yeah. Like, opioids, like, there's, I, I guarantee you there was nothing about the say no to opioids. Like, there was no, like, you know what I mean? Like, I used to have this bit that never worked, mm-hmm. but it was about how looking at the opioid epidemic was, like, looking at, uh, the crack epidemic mm-hmm. and like you know the conspiracy thing about crack is that the government flooded it to, yeah we did that yeah to keep an upwardly black yeah. working class down yeah, yeah. Uh, upwardly mobile work yeah. didn't it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know it's a conspiracy theory based on the truth yeah yeah and, <laughs> conspiracy theory this has been declassified this yeah, is true yeah, 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 yeah. history no, yeah history <laughs> and it's like I, I feel the same I feel the same way it's like the opiate epidemic was the same way to keep like uh, uh, a white upper class that was moving up to make them go down. Oh, yeah, we killed the white middle class. Yeah, they, that was a way to kill the white middle class. And the, the, the ending line of that joke, which I wish was, uh, that's what people think white people can't be oppressed. They can. They just need FDA approval for it. <laughs> like, they're, they're like, like, oh. Why'd you stop doing that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing I like joke. that joke I don't a lot. Know, it, just, it just never worked. It never, at the time, never worked. I was people weren't smart enough <laughs> yeah, to yeah. get why that's so very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just like, there is, it just needs, a, it just needs one more check mark yeah. to oppress white people, but it's there. That's <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. Can I hit your not shitty vape pen? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that would be a great uh, like sketch to do yeah. is have like a commercial for opiates yeah. and just make it like a like one of those very happy go lucky ones with like an allergy commercial looking one, right? But just have it for white oppression, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. killing the middle class yeah. and have it as an advertisement to billionaires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh like, this is God. what we're showing at the Bilderberg Group meeting this year. <laughs> I think that's porn for <laughs> new them. from Cymbalta. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think a dying middle class is pornography for them. I think they're yeah. just like jerking off to like what they did, what they got away with. Oh, for sure, <laughs> what they got away with. You know, Elon has started something where he's like everybody that signed up to move to Mars. He's just like, look at your pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like, yeah, he's not going on that ship. Yeah, no, he sent a car there. Let's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's make let's make the races mad at each other and then fuck everybody. It's, yeah. such, a, it's such an amazing plan. It's such a, like, so good. Such a foolproof. Like from the outside perspective, you're like, man, what a great plan. Because everyone will always be like, that guy looks different than me. And then realizing you have no idea that the foot is on You ripple nipple bastard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You target chested piece of shit. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Uh, first race war, huh? You yeah. say hi differently than I say hi? I can't stand for it. Yeah, it's like, it's so, such an amazing plan. Which so is just, so funny, that's too. What, shout out, billionaires. You don't get, yeah. everyone's mad at you, but no one shouts you out. Good plan. Like, <laughs> crush it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys are doing a good job. You guys are murderous at oppression. <laughs> yeah, you guys, like, <laughs> that is like, generational talent. Yeah, too. Really, really. It's just like yeah. junior after junior <laughs> yeah, after yeah, junior. Yeah, just fifth, bro. oppression. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. God. 
That'd be like if Kobe's daughter lived, you know, like she would have been dunking with those like his generation. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't fly at all. Okay. Like that, uh, Neither did the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said it, as soon as I was like, no, <laughs> no, I can't believe I just teed that up for you. Yeah. <laughs> Completely accidental. Completely accidental. I know yeah. you don't believe me. The whole of thing the was fucked yeah. up shit I said, but yeah. That's why I love Mike because he gets worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like my first thought in my brain is always the worst one. The worst ones. You generally the kind of the funnier one because you're not supposed to laugh at it that's what at all yeah yeah that's what makes it so, funnier because you're not supposed so to so like the ADHD ADD all of that world is on like the OCD spectrum mm-hmm. and like in that like like world of neurodivergence one of the main features is intrusive thoughts right and the degree with which those affect you determines like part of the diagnosis okay so for like me with ADHD I have intrusive thoughts but unless I like uh, like actually focus on them, they're not debilitating to my existence. Whereas okay. someone with OCD, an intrusive thought, uh, if I don't go lock this door again, my grandpa dies. Okay. They have to lock that fucking door because it's a very deep thought. Whereas yeah. mine are more like if I'm having a conversation with someone, uh, what if I just went, bah, in their throat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like if I'm talking to another straight man, like what if I kissed him in the mouth? <laughs> It's not a, it's not like a sexual thing at all. It's like that's what's, a power thing. What's the worst thing? No, I could it's do like a curiosity sport? thing. Right. It's just for a, me. It's just like I could change the trajectory of my life if I just went like that. Right, dude. Every time I'm on a plane, every time female. I'm on a plane, yeah. I think like <laughs> if I just I have the ability to just punch a woman in the face and I could ruin my life in yeah. an instant. Right. Every time I'm on a plane, I look at the exit door and I'm like, I could Johnny tsunami this thing down for thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious end of my life and just no one could stop me no one could stop me if I fucking pulled that stomped it down like a half pipe like, unless you no looked like him then they'd probably stop yeah, you yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of my phone people be listening to my phone bro yeah 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 people be listening to my phone you I gotta get so. yeah we gotta we gotta cut so. down on the fucking yeah <laughs> that is my favorite thing about all so I love America well, we'll apps. Take, we'll take, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah America well here's well then here's the, the plug for my stuff so I I, I I have a stream called and I call it the dangerous like on Twitch, I'm Mr. Dangerous Brown. That's where I'm on mostly. So okay. on Twitch, follow me on Mr. Dangerous Brown. You see me play video games. I it's mostly hang with my friends. It's a lot of fun conversations while I play video games. And I like, commentate some sort of games because I want to. Do you play Pokemon them. Unite? No. No. All right. I, but I commentate like Rocket League and stuff because I want to get into the commentating world. And oh, then yeah. I do have a podcast called The Dangerous Brown Podcast, and I call all my fans infidels. So at the beginning of every episode, I'm like, what up, infidels? And I'm just putting that out on the internet. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, if I'm not being listened to, Someone's not doing their job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's just, it's just it's too much. Uh, but that's that's a fun podcast, dude. It's what not... a genius way to get numbers. Yeah, <laughs> I got like forty NSA listeners <laughs> a week. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not, it's just we should just call this episode "Bring Slavery Back." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> domestic terrorism plot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's a fun little podcast. It's not like a regular podcast because I mm-hmm. twitch. That's what my main thing. But I'll put cool. it out most of all. I'm reading. I'm reading the, all the religious texts. And I'm going through them and actually reading them. Okay. See. So right now I just that's why I brought up. What's Deut- your favorite so part? Right now I just finished Deuteronomy. Okay. So my favorite is. Genesis. Oh, you weren't joking. I wasn't joking. I wasn't joking. I just finished Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it very slowly. Like like let's read like the Bible. There's so many amazing. Dude, wait stories. till you get to the Song of Songs. Okay. In Bible in the Bible because there is a couple of verses. That are just sexting. Right. It's the OG. It's the first oh, sexting, and it's him writing graphic love poems to his wife. And he's like, Your breasts like twin fawns of a gazelle. <laughs> and then, like, it's real creepy. That's funny. very funny. Something That's about, funny. like, emissions the size of horses. Yeah, donkeys. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. no, there's my favorite story. My favorite story is um, <laughs> so, uh, 
Oh, we got we to head out? Okay. All right. Uh, my favorite story is that uh, Moses is going back to Egypt, mm-hmm. to the Israelites, and then God attacks him, starts attacking him in a tavern, mm-hmm. and he's about to kill him, and his wife goes, I know what to do, and she circumcises their kid, and God's <laughs> like, that's what I wanted. <laughs> There's so many, like, good little stories that you never told. Oh, no, other one or, no fucking way. Yeah, Rachel, I think, was just, like, Isaac's wife or Jacob's wife. Mm-hmm. She steals something from her father, mm-hmm. and her father's looking for it, and she sits on it. And the father can't find it, and he goes to Rachel and goes, "Can you stand up?" And she goes, "No, I'm on my period." And he goes, "Period." And he goes, "Oh, gross," and leaves. <laughs> Bro, there's so many amazing stories, dude. There's one in I think it's Second Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a dude, and he's like a prophet, and he's You're killing Coop right now. I'm sorry, we're almost done. last one. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's this bald dude, and he's he's a prophet, and he's walking through the town. And then these kids come by, and they're like, hey, you're fucking bald, you bald bitch. And then, and then he's like, yeah. excuse me, the Lord. And then he sends down 42 bears and kills all of the children. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of the children get murdered for making fun of a guy for being bald. Yeah. And they're like, learn. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, check it out. Dangerous Brown Podcast on uh, any podcast places you listen to, or uh, Mr. Dangerous Brown on Twitch. If you got to do one, do the Twitch. Hell yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. And we'll post Instagram and show notes and on the Instagram post. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Thanks for coming, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Tune in next week.